G'day, beer lovers, and welcome to The Antidote, a series of special episodes of Brews News Live. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me is Matt Kierkegaard, but I'll introduce him in just a minute. As you know, in this series, we hope to engage with the beer community to share their insights, to get some ideas, some strategies, uh, and tips from people in the caper, to provide a virtual gathering place, a bit of a, an online beer o'clock, if you like, so that those who are forced into isolation away from friends, family, and beer colleagues during this time can connect, stay informed, but more importantly, feel a part of this extended beer family. Today, we chat with James Atkinson from Drinks Adventures and formerly of our very own Australian Brews News to get a feel for how things are looking in the broader drinks community and also to see how things are looking for the beer-related Sydney uh, businesses, and we'll also be speaking to Matt Shea, who's the editor of Broadsheet Brisbane. Editor at large. Editor at large of Broadsheet Brisbane. I'm joined again by my Brews News co-host, who just interrupted me then, and good mate <laughs> Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. G'day, Pete. How are you? I'm well, mate. I'm. Um, I, I did say, you know, sort of offline. I'm feeling bucket today for this. You know, like I know we. we it is important to try to keep fit. Um, but we did have uh, Mrs. Pilsner has, has come out of surgery, so she's been home for uh, about eight. She's been off work and, and staying home for about eight weeks and unable to drive. And our reasonably, her reasonably new car was due for a service. And I thought, oh, geez, after stage three came in last night, is it still considered? You know, am I allowed to do it? But it was the car was booked in, dropped it off there, and um, thinking, oh, it's just a. a 3,000 or whatever, so it might just be a quick one. He goes, yeah, no, about five hours because, you know, spacing everything out and one person on each car and all that sort of thing. So, okay, no worries. So I had to walk home about three, three and a half k's. And then, of course, at 1.30, had to hop on Shank's Pony again to um, to get up there and pick it up again. So I'm having a beer. Mate, you're an inspiration because I have not, I, I think, apart from walking from home, um, from the kitchen to the bathroom, and back to my desk is about the only exercise, so uh, I, I shudder to think how few steps I've done. <laughs> well, a bit of a, a, a public service announcement, I guess. With the family home, with us, we've um, intentionally tried to, while the weather's nice in Melbourne, because the next four days after tomorrow, uh, I think are going to get a little bit shitty in terms of the weather. So we've encouraged them to sort of get out, get a bit of vitamin D therapy um, so that when they are stuck, in, you know, you know, when you're stuck inside and it's a beautiful day outside, you go, oh, I'll go out later, I'll go out later. But when it's shitty, you go, oh, now I'm stuck inside. So we don't want to get to that point. Exactly. And it's one of those things I always feel better when I've exercised, have, maybe have a beer afterwards um, rather than just knock off work and, and, and have a drink. Um, yeah, there's a lot to be said for earning it. You know, the, the old, geez, dare I say it, trademark pending, um, you know, a hard-earned thirst. Yeah, well, yeah, but it, but it's also just like the endorphin, like just, just a little bit of exercise, particularly when we are going through. Um, you know, we need to really focus on what makes us feel good. I found too, um, when you are, and I would imagine that a lot of people who either work from home or work from a desk um, in, in an office situation, you do tend to get a bit desk bound. I find now, um, the, the, since I started the Man Challenge two and a half years ago now, um, worked out for myself, if I get a mobile phone call, I just walk up and down the hallway or, you know, if, if there's nobody around, walk up and down, you know, through the house while I'm uh, while I'm on calls, and I think yeah. I've, I've transferred that now to to this isolation sort of caper. So when I, you know, because obviously more people are, are contacting by phone or whatever, um, to to just walk around while you're doing it, and all of a sudden, you, yeah, you just you just you know, it's literal motion. You're just sort of you know being active. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, 
Yeah, but uh, mate, just, just a quick wrap of the news today. There's been uh, some interesting stuff, particularly for you know, for our industry listeners, which is uh, who we're really doing this for. I- interesting news overnight from the retail liquor um, industry or the Retail Drinks Association you know, with their members who are apparently 80% of the retail drinks trade um, who have put limits on the amount that they can sell. It was... Pretty much half, you know, double what WA imposed last week. So I do wonder whether or not it wasn't getting out ahead of government regulating, um, which is what a lot of uh, in industry initiatives um, tend to, 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 to do. But it also made me realise that with so many brewers switching from you know, their, their traditional wholesale or in-venue in sales to a more retail-based operation, you know, anyone who serves alcohol at a, at a, a brew, brew pub um, would have an RSA. Um, you know, when you're wholesaling it, you're sort of outsourcing the responsibility for the service of it. Um, but there are the, the Retail um, Drinks Association does have um, you know guidelines uh, for for its members. Um, the, the IBA, when I reached out, they didn't have any particular guidelines themselves. Um, so we thought we'd share that the, the, the Retail Drinks Association's guidelines around you know, online um, alcohol sales, just making sure that um, everyone's doing it right and you know not being criticised later or not seeing uh, government crackdowns later. Um, and then also just the uh, you know in-venue service for takeaway stuff. So that was um, that's on on the the site and will probably be in our COVID nineteen brewery resources as well. I just thought it might be interesting, um, you know, around given that there's been a bit of speculation about, you know, particularly from our good friends at FAIR, um, about online sales and that sort of thing. It's particularly relevant at the moment because there is a sharp focus on um, alcohol sales and, and you know, we spoke yesterday to Simon Strawn from um, from Drinkwise Australia uh, and, and there is just a, yeah, a sharpened focus on, okay, everyone's at home, everyone's can't go out necessarily as much so you're bringing beer in you're working from home oh you know it's it, it the, the the standard rules are sort of out the window um so because we have that focus on us it's more important more incumbent on us i think to make sure that everyone is is doing the right thing that was the other impetus actually because we saw some commonwealth bank credit card data that showed uh, and I'll, I'll see if i can reel this off the top of my head it was about between 20 and 30 percent up on sales from uh, you know on, on alcohol sales, so things like uh, you know gym clothing and stuff, uh, we, we're seeing a plummet in sales. But um, alcohol sales have gone up, and when you consider that no one can go to pubs at the moment, then a lot of that is going to be off-premise um, and online alcohol sales, um, which really reinforces the need for that responsible messaging. But hopefully, you know, depending on where that money's going, if it is going to, you know, uh, breweries um, and uh, uh, brewery online uh, venues, hopefully that is creating some cash flow for them. Yeah, no, exactly. And that was um, actually, and speaking of cash flow, that was the other thing that we had. Um, Endeavour Drinks Group, which is BWS and Woolies, just yesterday. About to say. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I was, I was giving you the no, segue. Go, I wasn't go. sure whether you'd had a chance to catch up on the uh, on the site news today. Um, but yeah, so Endeavour Drinks Group following us talking, and I'm not saying that it was related, but we spoke yesterday about some emails that we received over the weekend, um, and they've said, yeah, we're, we're shortening our terms um, to. 
14 days, I, th- I think it was. 14 days, yeah. 14 so days. getting the cash back to their their suppliers a lot quicker than what they normally would uh, as a, a show of good faith and also, look, we know you guys, you know, need this cash. There is a whole conversation that will park for after the now for whether 60 days is appropriate for a huge multinational company, um, you know, a, a, a very profitable multinational company to be, um, you know, holding funds from its small retailers, from its small suppliers anyway. Um, but yeah, but but certainly they, they have responded and the correspondents that we've had have received money even quicker um, than, than the 14 days. So look, it, 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 it's great. And I know that it's really helping out uh, from the feedback that we're getting that access to that money um, is really helping people out at a very, very critical time. So, uh, yeah, so certainly uh, no cockeyes being as looked askance or however you want to describe it uh, at the moment. Not the way I would have described it. But, um, <laughs> no, I was trying to think of how you would... You've yeah. painted the picture nonetheless, mate. You know what I mean. And that's what matters in this communication game, Pete. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all that matters. Speaking of communication, um, Deb Lou, who we mentioned, now I can't remember whether we, whether we gave her a shout out on The Antidote or whether it was on our Bruges News Week from last week's episode, um, but she's got together with a, a few people and done a, a GoFeedMe uh, online campaign, Ends and Means, and it's basically designed for, they've, they've got a lot of um, foodstuffs that have been donated that they want to then uh, get out and deliver to particularly hospo workers, I guess, who, you know, maybe a bit caught short in, in this particular time and also who are very proud people and perhaps don't want to sort of, you know, put their hand up for, for assistance. Um, but they've got 150 spots. They've filled 79 of them at the moment. Um, and it's basically, you know, like a care package in similar to, I think, what um, what Guy Greenstone was describing yesterday yes. on yesterday's episode of, uh, of The Antidote. Um, but they need if, if anyone does need a shout out, um, there's no stigma attached. It's it's all private. Um, you know, there's no yeah, no, there's no public notification or anything like that. But just if somebody does need a, a little bit of a hand, um, they just need to know ASAP so they can organise their delivery schedules. Absolutely. And uh, just so you know, Pete, Bruce News has made a donation to that uh, on your behalf. Oh, thank you very much. Well, I've done one <laughs> as well uh, on my behalf. So I'll make oh, there that you go. Okay, nice. We're square. Okay. Cool. No, look, no, we, don't, we don't talk about things, these things in the production meeting, but um, it's nice to know that, that we are on the same page. It is. Now, listen, um, now we're going to chat to James Atkinson first. We, we, we are. Do you want to uh, remind you know uh, people that, uh, you know, obviously everyone would be listening to the uh, Drinks Adventures podcast and so they would know, but anyone who, who doesn't, just remind them who he is. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, who, oh, I know, he used to work for... Didn't he work for Bruce News back in the day? God, that was two editors ago. Uh, no. <laughs> two editors ago. <laughs> Sorry, two senior journalists ago. No, bit um, of a, re- no, bit of a great, revolving great door of, these um, days. And, and, and a great beer person. Um, also a winner of the Australian International Beer Awards Media Personality Award, um, James Atkinson. G'day, James. G'day, guys. How's it going? Good, mate. Good. Mate, Welcome but, back. Yeah, but before news. we go, uh, but before we go any further, James, how impressed are you with the technology that we've got in place these days? Having been at a very early recording of the Hottest One Hundred, and very, then... very, yeah, very impressed, guys. <laughs> well done. And and Maybe now we'll... that I make a podcast myself, I know how how much they cost. So you must be made of money doing this one. Ooh, <laughs> ooh. No, well, we we did well, buy yeah, behind no, the be current fair, uh, shutdowns. Fair. 
Once Matt wasn't uh, responsible for your massively overpriced... Uh... <laughs> okay, guys, let's... let's... <laughs> so, James, talk to us about... Because, um, obviously, you're doing drinks adventures now and you've, I guess, had that hankering to, to break out into more than just uh, your, um, I guess, shining your... Uh, highly focused and very talented skills on just beer. You're looking to go more into a, a broader drinks sort of community. Um, give us a bit of a snapshot of, I guess, how things are doing for them in in these particular, um, the, you know, the current environment. Yeah, well, um, I mean, like everyone else keeps saying, that keeps changing by the hour. <laughs> yes. And and you know whether whether um, you know it's sort of you know being a freelance journalist like I am and spread over lots of different things. Is, is a good thing or not is also kind of changing by the hour. So, um, yeah, I've, I've certainly noticed the that, you know, out in the media landscape in the last 48 hours that the flow-on effect of, you know, airlines not advertising and car brands not advertising and all those sorts of things is starting to be felt by media outlets, which is um, obviously a bit concerning. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people that are a lot more exposed um, and feeling it a lot more than I am. And, and obviously you guys have spoken to some of them on the podcast. But really, I mean, the last few weeks have just been some of the weirdest, <laughs> just the weirdest times of my life, really. And um, each day, you know, I just sort of wake up and, yep, it's still, this is still happening. And it's just very surreal. Um, and, and, yeah, it's not easy, but it's just a tough time for everyone. And, and yeah, particularly... You know, I just really feel for everyone um, in hospitality and uh, obviously all of the, the brewers and and winemakers and distillers and um, other suppliers that that basically can't exist without having that channel to market. Well, let's talk about that for a sec because I guess over the last 12 or 18 months, we've seen a really, really substantial pivot from breweries finding the wholesale game very tough and there'd been such a move towards the um, taproom as being a major income source. Um, and so they're very much hurting through that. Is, is, is that true in terms of some of the craft distilleries and some of the small wineries that they have a very big, um, you know, drink-in presence as well? Well... Um, and firstly, congratulations on using the, the buzzword of the moment, which is pivot. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. Nice, unprecedented is the buzzword. Un- unprecedented. Of the nice thought of the week. This is a nice pivot by Bruce News launching the <laughs> antidote for starters. So, um, oh, yeah, no, look, it, it would be a pivot if we made any money out of it. We're doing it for free. <laughs> that's the whole other thing. Anyway, um, look. I mean, I think that the. The impacts are going to be felt by everyone, obviously, but even, you know, I certainly know that there are wineries out there that have uh, shut their cellar doors. I think in some states that might have been something that was forced upon them. Um, in other states, uh, wineries have got cellar doors open, but no one can taste any wine on, on site. They can only just buy it, which is sort of, you know, kind of... Um, flies in the face of the point of the point of actually going to a cellar door um and then of course you know most like a lot of wineries rely very heavily on restaurants and bars um to sell their wine and that and that channel's that channel's gone um and yeah distilleries you know i mean i only need to look at um i mean a lot of them don't kind of have the most sophisticated sort of uh cellar doors or or bars but 
there are certainly examples like Archie Rose um, in Sydney that had, you know, they have a hospitality uh, presence there employing about 20 people. And obviously they can't trade there anymore. And they've pivoted into making hand sanitizer. And um, basically the, their first two batches of hand sanitizer were sold out uh, so quickly. And they're, they're managing to sort of keep their hospitality employees employed working on the packaging line getting all this sanitizer out to people and it's just a funny world that we live in where um there's just these business business ideas that in in a normal the normal circumstances would take you know months to bring to market and people are finding ways to just you know to, to bring them to market within within a few days um, and there's been, you know, and, and that's just a really kind of, that, that's one kind of great success story of how they've managed to do that. Um, but then there's probably, I think, a lot of people who are struggling with how to do it and do it the right way. So, And yeah. have you heard from any of them how they're going? Because I, I understand a lot of um, even the small distilleries are even buying in um, ethanol because they can't produce enough for, um, you know, large scale, um, you know, hand sanitizer production. But the, I, I'm, I'm hearing that the sticking point might be even packaging, just getting bottles um, to put it in because that's not something that people keep in stock and it's a, it, it's a very um, space-consuming item because they're, they're, they're pretty much empty um, vessels. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, there's all those kinds of challenges and even um, I did buy a couple of bottles of Archie Rose sanitizer, which arrived today and it came in a bottle that doesn't kind of have a pump spray or any way to get it out of the bottle other than to sort of pour it on your hands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, and um, you know, Archie Rose, they obviously think, you know, I know that business, they think everything through very carefully. I'm sure that that's not (laughs) optimal for them, but they've still done a pretty good job of getting a hand sanitizer on the market. And I'm sure that you can buy a cheap little, if someone hasn't hoarded them all already, I'm sure that at the you know at the pharmacy you could probably buy a little pump spray bottle or something to decant um, oh, mate, your, your hand sanitizer you, if, you've into. Got, if you've got three daughters, you've got a heap of empty <laughs> pump spray sanitizing squirty bottle things that they could use. Yeah. Okay. Can, well, can I, I don't. Uh, <laughs> no, can, can I? Well, um, Pete can probably send you some. Um, can, can I ask how much how, how much it costs? Because I saw that somebody was selling like two hundred mils for ten dollars, and you know, not not criticising them because it's there would be a lot of cost involved in that. But how how much is it costing when hand sanitizer is something that goes for a couple of bucks at the best of times? Well, there's been a whole lot of, you know, again, everyone's kind of rushed into this making this hand sanitizer, and there's been a whole lot of different approaches that people have taken. I mean, some of some of them have just made it purely in order to donate it to essential services or sell it to them at cost or, you know, with enough of a, a, a margin on it in order just to, um, you know, pay their cost of goods and keep their staff in a job. And then, you know, I think I think Archie Rose, um, they probably built a bit more margin into it because they were, you know, that they... They approached it with the idea of of keeping that many people um, employed, and they, you know, they put it in a bottle with the sort of sexy Archie Rose branding that you expect, and and all of a sudden, craft sanitizer is the hottest new category in, in distilling. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, so th so the answer to that is it's just it, it just depends on which what the distillery is, what their approach is, what bottles they could get their hands on, what idea they came up with in bringing this to market within the space of a few days. But I certainly know that these sanitizers have been um, they've been really popular. They've been um, selling out like really quickly. Yeah, uh, we need to sort of strap ourselves in for the fact that we're probably going to get a. Uh a worldwide shortage of Hello Vera next or, you know, yeah. Joe Jover or something. <laughs> or or um, this thing's going to be over and people are going to be stock, you know, stocks of, uh, you know, aloe vera that they're trying to get rid of. Yeah. I, I wonder if we're going to see an other. aloe vera um, Nipah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Milkshake Hohoba IPA. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, James, before we let you go, um, a quick, um, we thought we'd take this opportunity to, uh, I guess, take the pulse of the health of, um, of the Sydney um, beer community. What's the word around there? It's sort of hard to, 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 to know exactly how everyone's going, but I have had conversations with some breweries that, you know, and also bars that, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a really tough time for everyone. I think there's no getting around that. Some of them have managed to, you know, they're not going to close the gap um, between, you know, like with what they were making with their on-premise, their, their draft sales uh, by any stretch. But some of them have, you know, done pretty well in package um, over the last week or so and successfully sort of started introducing deliveries and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a really hard time. And I don't think that in New South Wales there has been some of the same um, support mechanisms that have been introduced in other states that sort of, um, you know, assist with liquor licensing fees and all those kinds of things. Yeah, it, it, it's hard to stay across it, which, which is one of the reasons why we got you on, just to find out, because I know that Queensland seems to have been very responsive and Victoria um, has been very responsive. Um, that said, Queensland has banned reuse of growlers, which is causing some consternation at, at the moment. I can understand why they're doing that. Oh, though. absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so... Particularly um, since we don't have any sanitizer to clean them out with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Before we let you go, James, um, when's the next season of uh, Drinks Adventures coming out? Uh, glad you asked. <laughs> it's it's um, hopefully could be this week or next. You, you've um, got a bit of time on your hands, have you? Oh, well, I don't, I don't know about that, but there's just been, I mean, look, you know, I kind of like plan my podcast out a little bit and kind of try and, you know, interview people a fair few, like a, sometimes it can be months in advance. And then when something like this happens, um, you know, it's never been a, like a news, it's never been sort of something that covers the weekly news. Sort of the idea was to make it uh, a podcast sort of, you know, is, is a bit evergreen and still, um is something that people might want to listen to a year or two down the track, a bit more like your beer is a conversation, I guess. Um, yeah, I was going to ask, when you learn that technique? When, <laughs> <laughs> when something like this happens, you can't, you can't ignore it. You know, you, I, I can't just put out, um, you know, just start a new season of the podcast and pretend like the whole world hasn't just changed. So um, I've sort of done, you know, I've done one, there might be another episode that kind of at least – um, just sort of, you know, explore some of the challenges that the industry is going through now and really try and encourage people to go and um, support, you know, their, their, local, their local brewery or their, their favourite distillery or whatever it is um, because, yeah, and, and then, you know, obviously all the other episodes that I don't, I don't think people want to listen to um, 
a podcast that's 100%, um, you know, well, actually, no, they do want to listen to a podcast that's 100% about the struggles people are having with COVID because that's the one that we're, we're talking on right now. But uh, Drinks Adventures, I think, can kind of, you know, touch on the COVID stuff and then just sort of have some other content that um, might maybe help people escape from it all a little bit. Yeah. Well, James Atkinson, um, thanks very much for joining us on The Antidote. Um, stay safe, stay well. Thanks, guys. It's good to be back on Australia's number one beer podcast again. Oh, well, only only for the weeks that you're not number one, so... Uh... <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know whether that's necessarily fair that uh, I'm in that list with being a, you know, broader broader subject matter, but I'll take it. Oh, but absolutely. I, I, I want to find out how, uh, given you hadn't put any content out, any new content out since December, you got to number one a couple of weeks ago. That's what I want to know, because uh, you, you're obviously better at the marketing than we are. I got some nice promotion on Apple Podcasts for about a few days, so that was very helpful. There you go. Hopefully we can get some of that <laughs> ourselves. But congratulations on the podcast and look forward to uh, the, the next season when it when it does come out. Thanks, guys, and great work. I've really been listening and, you know, and um, enjoying what people have to say. It sort of keeps me a little bit sane, just, um, you know, hearing that everyone, you know, the, the challenges that everyone's having and, and how we're all struggling through it. We're, we're not alone. Thanks, mate. That Thanks, means a lot. Mate. See you guys. Cheers, mate. Matt, we do have another guest to talk to, so we might just go straight into that and then uh, wrap it up with a bit of a, a roundup of what some people are doing and to put out a bit of a call out to those who might be able to join us on The Antidote in uh, the next couple of days to talk about some uh, stuff that James just touched on then that's just reminded me that there's, there's perhaps some opportunities that we need to uh, perhaps talk to. No worries. And, uh, yeah, so um, th- this is a, now <laughs> talking about... Uh, Testing uh, our technology. Away. This is a yeah, because you and I are about to walk off and have a beer because it's, yeah. this is a little pre-record. Uh, Matt wasn't available live, but you can hear him live while Pete and I go go to the fridge and refresh our beers. This is my chat with the uh, broadsheet Brisbane editor at large, Matt Shea. Matt Shea, welcome to the Antidote. Thanks for having me, Matt. Great to be here. Uh, yeah, mate. I look as I said in the intro, very keen to to have a chat. No doubt, it's been crazy times for you. Uh, you know, with the broadsheet trying to keep up with everything that's going on in the the, the broader hospitality scene outside of uh, even the you know beer and brewing scene that, that we've been trying to cover. Yeah, look, it's you know, I think I think a few weeks back, it went from a week to week thing with COVID to a day to day thing, and suddenly it was an hour to hour thing. <laughs> Um, you know, like every, it just stories you turn around and there'd be new stories just, yeah, falling on you that you needed to, 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 to cover. And, um, you know, I think with the pace of the whole, uh, this whole global pandemic, the pace of it means, you know, you're constantly having to rewrite stories on the fly, even, you know, as governments make new announcements, as new regulations come in. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a really crazy time. What, what do they say? What, what's that Chinese curse? Uh, may you live in interesting times? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I, um, I would like some some dull times. It would be. I, I look forward to dull times, Matt. <laughs> so a- anyway, we, you know, what we've been keeping up to date with breweries and to some extent, um, you know, craft beer specific venues. Tell us a little mm. bit what's happening outside of that bubble. You know, what are you hearing from you know restaurants and bars and clubs and the sort of places that that are the broadsheets bread and butter. Look, it's been a really hard time for a lot of them um i think you know b- particularly at the start when when the, the the goalposts kept moving for them and you know in terms of the you know the, the restrictions would would increase um 
you know, I, I think a few operators were resistant to kind of to you know perhaps didn't want to hear the bad news a little bit and were you know were campaigning a, a little bit against sort of any kind of shutdown or any kind of um, uh, sort of uh, change in, in business. But you know, as it's gone on, it's you know there have been I mean there a, a lot of restaurant you know a lot of restaurants have come to terms with the fact that they need to shut down or need to pivot to delivery or takeaway. Um, there have been a lot of heartbreaking stories or, you know, I mean, really grim stories of, 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 you know, restaurants and bars, you know, sort of just wrapping up and, you know, and they have to release their staff. And, you know, I think that first wave of, um, that first wave of people going on to unemployment sort of Monday last week, a lot of them were hospitality workers, were restaurant and bar workers who suddenly, you know, woke up, you know, yeah, maybe on that Sunday, I think when the, when, they put in the restrictions or the Monday when they put in the restrictions on, you know, had to shut, we had to shut down venues. They were suddenly without a job. Um, and that's, you know, it's a really intense, you know, I mean, these are, these are, you know, young work, young workers. It's, I think a lot of them have probably never even experienced a recession before. So I think it's been a really intense time for them. And, and, and I, I guess looking at it from the uh, employee perspective that is you've hit the nail on the head you know we've had generational lows in terms of unemployment there's been work there if people have wanted it by and large um, and suddenly people are being put out uh, you know onto you know unemployment benefits uh, very very suddenly I think it's the pace of it that's really caught people by surprise Um, and I think that's something that I remember, you know, I was, at, you know, maybe at, in my early teens when the last recession hit. And I do remember that. I do remember you know, your, your parents, you know, not your parents, but maybe friends' parents, you know, suddenly, you know, they're, oh, everything's going to be fine. We should be okay. And then suddenly, you know, a few days later, they're, they're out of a job. And I think that's really caught people out. They, they weren't expecting this to suddenly to, to, to happen so fast but then but then that lines up with the way that the pandemic has gone like it you know the, the numbers would just jump up every every day you know the sort of almost exponentially i guess you know and it's a it's so i think i think it's that speed i think it's that speed that's just you know left a lot of people just really shell-shocked and it, you know again it, it's very easy to sort of talk in just fairly blunt terms when, when you're sort of trying to cover these issues but i guess parking employees um you know who, who are suddenly without work for a second um you know i, I guess uh th- th- there are unemployment benefits you can debate how um sufficient they are but mm. hopefully once um we are able to see venues reopen they you know that they can be employed i guess that then raises the question of what are you hearing from you know bars restaurants and that sort of thing in terms of how prepared they are you know that they've shut down. Will we see them reopen afterwards? I think that's you know you one thing we've talked about Matt is is many of them pivoting to takeaway and delivery and and a lot of that is not to really kind of make profit or make bank. It's just to keep their businesses alive long enough to be able to to, you know, to be in a position to rehire uh, their staff when they reopen. Um, and that's you know I th- I. Th- yeah, there, there's. I mean, the Brisbane restaurant and bar scene has been. I think it's a lot of people have been wondering about how sustainable it was even before this hit. So, just because it's been growing so fast, and uh, and, I think and that's something is, you've been covering on broadsheet. You've been looking. You know, this year, even before um, we saw this happen, and, and towards the end of last year, we were seeing a lot of venues closing. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean. 
there are always more openings and clo- closures, but but and there and there's a lot of talent coming into the city, um, both from Sydney and Melbourne, and then also from overseas. Lots of overseas workers. Um, but yeah, there's I think that kind of underlines how precarious you know the situation is because a lot of these restaurants are quite new. Uh, these restaurants and bars are quite new. Um, they've still got loans that they're trying to pay back. Um, so, you know, I think for them, for, for a lot of them, it, it might be very difficult for them to reopen after this is all finished. Um, but this pivot to delivery and takeaway is, I think, for the, for the really popular restaurants, it could be a lifeline. and uh, It could at least see them through, um, you know, at least for a few months, I think. One of the things that we've been hearing from restaurants over the last you know, 12, 18 months as we've become the Uber Eats generation um, that it, mm. that's been hurting businesses. What, what are you hearing from them about, you know, are many of them using Uber Eats or are many of them sort of finding that this is a much better way of sustaining their business? Yeah, Uber Eats is part of that delivery solution. Like some, some like a lot of restaurants are just... Yeah, they've already been on Uber Eats and they've just kind of tapped into that. But I mean, obviously the margins that Uber Eats or delivery take are quite high. Um, and it has been a, a, a bone of contention in the industry a little bit. Um, but, uh, but, but a lot of them can really just move that product through, move that product through those services. And they've got margins that are high enough that it really works for them. I think that's, I think what's happened is you've got some other operators who couldn't really tap into that system just because they, they would run really lean, you know, just mm. have the margins to, to be able to absorb that. And what, that's why we're seeing maybe a few new options. I think I'm working on a story. I'm working on a story at the moment on a, on a, an app called Bopple, which is much, has much lower margins. You know, they take, take a much smaller cut. They operate in a very different way to um, Uber Eats or, or Deliveroo. Like it's, they're, they're, they're basically providing a, a different service, really. They're really focused on the, on the venue and they allow the venue to do a lot of the, the sort of delivery themselves. You know, they just, you know, it's, it's a bit more plug and play. Um, and that's kind of opening up, that's allowing a few more venues to get into the sort of delivery and takeaway game. Um, but, you know, I think it's a, you know, Del- Deliveroo and Uber Eats are still, yeah, they're still serving a really important function in all this and, and, and allowing sort of, you know, so many people are turning to those, to those services to, to, you know, to kind of, to get their, get their satellites, you know. Yeah, well, now, now, we never really want to gaze uh, into the crystal, uh, crystal ball and be found wanting uh, in, in, in our <laughs> prognostications. But, you know, do, do, do you think that the stay-at-home um, experience is going to you know, make people really pleased to actually get out and in, enjoy venues once this is over? Or do you think that it might, you know, even drive us further to the convenience of home delivery? I think people will want to get back out and about. I think it's, uh, I think, I don't know about you, Matt, but I'm certainly, you know, I, I feel like I've taken it, taken for granted, you know, what we've, what, you know, I mean, Australia-wide, Brisbane in particular, but Australia-wide over the last 10 years, we've, we've developed such a, a, a brilliant, um, you know, nighttime economy in terms of there's so much to, to do in our big cities uh, going out night after night. And I mean, I just see through, um, through my acquaintances and friends, you know, the, people are missing going out. They're missing socialising. You know, humans are hyper-social creatures. I think there'll always be a place for delivery, and and but uh, you know, as as long as those venues are there, when when the economy does get back to normal, then I think there'll be plenty of people piling into them for sure. That and there'll be nothing left uh, mm-hmm. unwatched on Netflix. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone can finally, finally cancel the Netflix subscription. <laughs> now, have you, just before I let you go, um, you know, we, we, we've seen in the brewing industry uh, brewers turning to making hand wash. Uh, we've seen, you know, some brewers offering, you know, pizza and, you know, um, four-pack deals. Is, is there anything that really sticks out as a really creative, innovative um, thing that one of the, the, the restaurants or bars has done? I think it's, look, there's, a whole lot of stuff it's more i think it's i think what fascinates me is is some of the fine you know the more fine diner kind of places um doing interesting stuff you've got like one of my favorites from last week was josh lopez who owns the wolf up here josh many people would know josh from his time as uh head chef at goma restaurant where he made a big name for himself wait yeah a really talented young chef his own yeah so he owns the restaurant the wolf in east brisbane beautiful little fine diner but um you know, obviously that food doesn't really travel well on takeaway or delivery. So Josh, he's uh, he's was born in El Salvador and he's turned it into like a takeout taco joint. So, you know, so which it, 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 you know, and he can really tap into his his background and and um, and you know, I think the other thing too is the re- relaxation of of liquor laws that have allowed restaurants to do takeaway and delivery. Um, alcohol that allows restaurateurs to lean into these sorts of ideas a bit a bit and kind of have you know, use their imagination and and really sort of like offer something different you know offer something different to to, to, to what they usually do and and that's been that's been really refreshing i mean and they're good news stories and and you know we need a few of those at the moment hey, actually that raises something that i've sort of been mulling over is you know the broadsheet is um I think one of the best of the online street presses, um, you know, with great coverage of the hospitality, you know, dining, all all of those scenes. But you would be absolutely flooded day in, day out with media releases from little venues wanting to, you know, obviously when they launch and it's actually news, but then uh, no, Mm. you would be getting a million, uh, you know, come and dine with us, you know, sort of write write this story about us, write this story about us. Uh, Is is that the case? Yeah, a little bit. Maybe not as many as you think. I just think because so many of them are just so head down and trying trying to keep their heads above water, um, you know. And, and uh, so, but I mean, they, they, it does happen. Like you know, people kind of reach out and go, oh, "Can you give us some coverage?" And and you, I, you know, I mean, broadsheets are you know we're editorial based. We're a news organisation. We don't really, you know, from my desk anyway. There's no editorial. We don't, you know, people don't pay for coverage. Um, but yeah, you do. You, you try. You're trying to sort of if people are doing something interesting and usually by this stage, if they're still operating, they're doing something interesting. So you try mm. and cover them where you cover them where you can, um, you know, sort of, and, and, uh, but yeah, I think it's a sort of, it, it, I think partly it's because so many places have shut down and, um, you know, so there's, there's not quite the, 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 the number of people reaching out for coverage as you might think, but, but yeah, there's still, there, there are still more people, more venues to cover than, you know, I can, get through the editorial desk you know it's a, and that's stressful because you want these people to get the coverage they deserve and this i mean some of these restaurants are doing huge numbers in terms of delivery and takeaway i mean some the the, the national your national audience won't know some of them but uh but a restaurant like happy boy up here in brisbane is it's mm. you know they, they do they do you know huge numbers every saturday every friday saturday night but they've they've, they've been doing massive delivery numbers i've never done delivery before they've been going off the charts so there is the demand out there for for these services the demand for more of these restaurants to kind of you know to 
to deliver to people. So you just, you know, you, so you feel responsibility, responsibility as a journalist to make sure people know about the service that they, you know, that they're, that they're offering, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Well, Matt Shea, thank you very much for joining us on, on, on The Antidote and giving us a little bit of an update on the hospitality scene. And, uh, you know, take care of yourself because it is, you know, I'm sure it's uh, taking its toll on uh, people like yourself who are hearing all of the, 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 the terrible stories and working very, very hard to cover them. Oh, look, thanks, Matt. I think we're all in the same boat. So, but I, I, appreciate, I appreciate that. But, uh, yeah, look after yourself. And that was uh, Matt Shea from Broadsheet Brisbane. Pete. Well done, Matt. Thank you. On two counts, one for um, pushing the pivot meter up to eight and <laughs> also to saying, oh, well, oh, before I let you go, three times. So I've now had to crack a second beer. <laughs> well, that's not, that's not so bad. No, that's right. So I bet listen, I'm, I'm uh, the we, technology worked. Like, thank we, God for that. We, we, we need to do this more often. It's actually good because I was able to go up and, you know, first world problems, but I was able to go up and uh, shake the roast buds and, uh, and and check on dinner because, of course, you know, here, you know, Casa del Pilsner having to feed the family because they're all at home and everything and, uh, um, yeah, trying to juggle this, it's it's, it's interesting at times. Hey, listen, uh, another thing that's interesting, um, Karina Steeb contacted us from uh, Prancing Pony um, with a really good initiative that they're starting up, Matt, which mm-hmm. is the um, the... Uh, the SA beer community has worked together to, um, in, in, in keeping with the uh, hashtag keeping local alive, 12 independent brewers have banded together to offer a mixed carton of tinnies to people in South Australia, uh, potentially around the country, but at, at this stage, certainly. They've created their good beer pack. I'm going to have to get onto that good. because I just have not tried many South Australian breweries. It's been ages since I've been down to Adelaide or SA, so uh, I'm going to jump on that. And look, there's some really, really good stuff happening there. It's just such a shame that, you know, you look at, um, you know, breweries like uh, Big Shed Brewing Concern, Prancing Pony, Swell, uh, and look, uh, numerous others, too numerous to mention, um, who have been, who have just started to, to really, I guess, find their feet. And so this is really going to hurt them. Um, so it's good that they've created this good beer pack. Um, and starting tomorrow, um, so if, you, if you're listening to this on, what day is it today? Tuesday. Um, as of Wednesday, you'll be able to order the uh, the mixed carton online. So, 24 cans from 12 different breweries, um, a number of different um, distinct distribution and pickup sites. Beer can be purchased online or picked up. All the info is on the website at um, uh, Heaps Good Beer. Yep, we'll make sure that we've uh, got some links. If not in the show notes, certainly we'll be covering it on the site tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Matt, now another thing, uh, listening to both Matt and to things that James was saying, and I see that Zoe Ottaway, good friend of the program, is still in the chat room, unless she's just left her computer idle. But I'd love to get her on perhaps uh, in the next couple of days to talk about the way that, because um, I've noticed some... We've been teasing her. We have. Saying, but Look, I'd love to get it on. It, just in terms of that, I think what we're lacking is that um, direct marketing kind of experience um, and how – because – and for two reasons, Matt. One, I think I'm noticing the the way that some breweries are marketing their – look, you don't want to have that – I guess the, the the taint of desperation in your in your in your tone. Yep. Um, but you want to be offering something that you know. Look, we'll help you if you help us, kind of thing. So that that whole thing of marketing rather than advertising, um, I'd love to get a bit of a, a handle on. Uh, but then you're also when this is all over, and dare I say it, you know, when we come out the other side. Sorry, James. Um, that 
we can then, uh, you know, th they're the ones that you're going to go, oh, I remember that. So there's there's the two aspects to it. Yeah, I think that would just be some good hints and tips. Funnily enough, be a good and discussion. that would be why yeah, we'll, we'll, find, we'll follow up um, with Zoe because that was why I'd started to go down the route of asking Matt about how many media releases he's got because, again, it, it, it's one of those things at a time like this, um, you know, and Brews News really wants to amplify the messages for breweries, but when you've got, you know, um, you know, Dapto Brewery um, sending us a media release saying that we've you know, launched a um, delivery option. Brews News isn't the place to be. You know, th 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 this is why breweries no, need that, to that's have keeping a, local alive. Yeah, well, well, it's not even really keeping local alive. Really, I mean, it, it it's it's plugs into the thinking behind keeping local alive. But you know, even keeping local alive, which is a national campaign to remind you of your local brewery, can't really take on the marketing for a small local brewery. Um, you know, day in, day out, they should be developing their community. So when something like, you know, hopefully this never happens again, but when they do have something that is pretty much limited to their local area, they've got their audience um, who are engaged through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, their, their web page on their um, email marketing list. So they're actually reaching the people who will use that more localised service um, rather than turning to, you know, us or the Crafty Pint or, um, you know, the, the, the other, you know, or the broadsheet um, to publicise something that in a publication that goes out to a much wider audience and to a much, has a much wider reach than their offer ever will require. So um, th th that would be something that we can certainly um, touch base with, with um, Zoe. Uh, well, I did know Zoe's just left a smiley face. Smiley face. So maybe that well, means... Well, either it. that or she's just gone colon, close bracket, accidentally. <laughs> so, you know, just so long as between um, now when we've uh, said that and when I reach out to her um, tomorrow morning, she doesn't, you know, like go speak she's to the still or something. That's right. <laughs> she gets snapped up by another another media another outlet. podcaster. Anyway, Pete, that what, what great show. Yeah, so a little bit um, journalism focused today, looking at people outside who were covering outside of the beer industry. Yeah, exactly. Um, and coming up, Matt, in the following days. So tomorrow <laughs> we've got uh, Dave Padden and possibly Steve Zoe Otterway. Well, we've got space, so that's why we've kept one open for you know a special guest. Um, and then on Thursday, we're going to touch base with Tazzy, with the beer healer Chris Lukianico, and uh, Dave McGill. Exactly, and, and hear a little bit about their tasting. That's it. Um, thanks very much for joining in on the antidote again. As I say, we're loving doing this because I really feel that we're doing something useful and, and really serving a, a purpose, and, and hopefully that that is coming across, and you guys are getting some value from it. But in the same breath, I really hope we don't have to do it for too much longer. So uh, look after each other. More importantly, look after yourselves. And spare a thought for people like Van Gogh who really struggle to wear you know, a protective face mask. <laughs> um, on that note, we shall leave you. Matt, hit the strum. And we're out.